As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, I'm James Richardson. Well, a new season is upon us and The Athletic have big things in store on the audio front. For a start, I'll be here three times a week with the award-winning Totally Football Show featuring the likes of James Horncastle, Raphael Honigstein, Carl Anker, and Rory Smith. Mark Chapman will go one better and bring you the Athletic Football Podcast four times a week, powered by the cranial reserves of Adam Crafton, David Ornstein, et al. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast have had a brilliant Euros, thank you very much, and they are delighted to be returning for another full season of Women's Super League coverage. There's also eight dedicated club podcasts. There's Adam Hurry's joyous football cliches show. There's Michael Cox's insightful Athletic Football Tactics podcast. There's the Essential Tifo Football podcast and Whisper It, a revamped football manager show too. Ooh, something there for everyone. You can find all of those wherever you get your podcast, or listen out free on the Athletic app. The Athletic. Straight out of Cobham, the season preview spectacular. In this episode, we'll look ahead to the first blue campaign under new ownership. We'll sort the chuckwa makers from the Cucarellas, preview the season opener at Goodison Park, and of course, do a quiz. Part of the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Straight Out of Cobham. Hello, listener. Hope you're well. Back with our second show of the week. It's me, Matt Davis Adams, joined by the Athletics Chelsea expert, Simon Johnson. Morning, Simon. Hello. Uh, you got two pairs of trousers on today. <laughs> what makes you say that? Sorry. Well, no, you're going golfing. I just thought in case you get a hole in one. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, tremendous. That's the level. <laughs> Four. <laughs> Out of ten for this pod, certainly on the intro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Former Chelsea man, Sam Parkins, also with us. How you doing, Sam? I'm good, Matt. I haven't heard that joke for a while, so I'd actually forgotten where you were going. So. <laughs> Tickled me as well. Listen, we're all dads. Put it in the bank. Uh, use it wisely. Uh, speaking of things in the bank, Chelsea have been spending some money, plenty of movement in the transfer market since we last spoke. That's going to be our first topic of conversation today. Right then, Simon and Liam Toomey have teamed up for a piece which is up on The Athletic now detailing Chelsea's transfer targets for the current window. One of those which took everybody by surprise was Carney Chukwemeka. Chelsea released a statement saying Aston Villa and Chelsea can confirm that the clubs have reached an agreement for the permanent transfer of Carney Chukwemeka. The 18-year-old has been given permission to travel to London to discuss both personal terms and undergo a medical. Uh, Simon, this was kept really quiet, wasn't it? Nobody got the uh, the scoop on this one. <laughs> I'm sure not ideal for for the likes of you, but quite quite impressive, I think, for for yeah. Chelsea and Chelsea supporters to know that they can they can do this kind of thing without anybody finding out about it. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, not for the first time you sort of wipe a bit of egg from your face, and so they'll <laughs> totally miss that. But at the same time, <laughs> there was some kind of comfort that no one had it, and also that um, I spoke to uh, or message had a few interchanges with a few agents who I know like, we didn't hear about it either. You know, it's very, very unusual. I mean, obviously the agents that do it still knew what was going on, but normally, you know, other agents that aren't even involved, obviously you've got a lot of connections there. You've got the Chelsea end, you've got the Aston Villa end, you've got the player end, et cetera, et cetera. Teammates, 
so yeah, but it is kind of refreshing, you know, if you take your professional hat off and you sort of go, that is the ideal way for a club to do business, to to take any threat of someone else beating you to the signing by just going out and doing it and, and take people by, by surprise. The deal itself, it's been very interesting that Chelsea is signing these young, young prospects for pretty decent money. I mean, Gabriel Slanina, I don't know whether you, he was on your radar already, Matt, but, you know, an 18-year-old goalkeeper, um, there's Zach Sturge, there's Amari Hutchinson. It's not just about finished end products. I think I've been on this pod before going, it's all about a win-now philosophy as far as Tuchel's concerned, but the club are clearly um, also thinking about the future at the same time, and that's that's great. It's just going to be very interesting what they decide to do with these guys because clearly they can't all play for the first team yet. They've, they've got to go out and get first team football probably elsewhere rather than just play for the under-23s. Would you put Chukwemeka in that category? Somebody tweeted me this mm. morning asking if he'd be going out on loan. Do you think that's most likely for him? Well, he's not going to be playing for the academy. I don't think so. Certainly not on a regular basis. Does he then, where does he fit? As things stand, though, with the amount of midfielders that, that Chelsea have, um, it's going to be very difficult for him to get regular football. Of course, we're we're now playing catch-up. We're trying to find out exactly what the plan for him is. I wouldn't be surprised. I think someone did mention to me last night that a loan is, is probable. But, you know, I don't want to talk too much about in in a factual way without knowing for sure. But he's clearly got to play. You know, the guys already played for Aston Villa. They haven't signed him for up to 20 million for him to just be rotting away. Well, no no offence intended, but he's obviously got to make a, a considerable step up and, and keep that momentum going in, in senior football. So 12 apps for Villa last season in the Premier League, albeit only two starts. He scored three goals, including the winner in the final as England were victorious in this summer's under-19 Euros, where he played alongside Harvey Vale. Uh, Sam, from the player's perspective, particularly because he's only 18, I guess he'll be pleased that it was all kept under wraps and that you know there wasn't loads of paper talk about him potentially leaving. Obviously, he'd been left off Villa's pre-season tour and, and Stephen Gerrard explained the reasons for that, but he wouldn't have been unsettled by a lot of transfer talk. It was just the club's agreeing a fee and off you go. Yeah, I think his his future was a little bit unsure towards the tail end of last season because of his contract and and such like. But yeah, I'm sure he'd have been pleased that it's not been a saga that's rumbled on and that he's been able to get it done. And Simon's right, you know, two incredibly exciting signings um, that the goalkeeper as well I put into that that category. But Hutchison is probably one of the best players I've seen in the 23s. He absolutely ripped Chelsea apart on a couple of occasions putting a couple of astonishing performances. So to get him from Arsenal is a great coup. And um, Chuck Womeka, if you watch him, he's got absolutely everything. But it will have a knock-on effect. Again, Simon just touched on where does it leave Loftus-Cheek. We know that he's um, possibly going to be a bit of a utility player in this squad. Um, showed that he could play right wing-back, obviously, a few times. Conor Gallagher as well. Um, this lad comes in with an array of uh, of talents ridiculously comfortable on the ball, can go past people. Um, it's obviously starred for, for England and, yeah, he's going to want to play football, isn't, isn't he, this year? So unlikely to force Kante, Jorginho, uh, Kovacic out of the picture immediately, but he's going to be wanting to be playing at a very high level, I would say, this year, considering the price tag and, and the pedigree of the young man. Uh, yeah, Amari Hutchinson, it would appear, might be off to, to Reading on loan, which is an interesting one because Reading are going to have a difficult season by the looks of things. Uh, we'll come to Mark Cucurella in a minute, but as we've mentioned Gabriel Slanina a couple of times, let's talk about him. Deal for the young keeper done. Six-year contract. He'll head back to Chicago Fire to play for them until January. Uh, Sam, you're our expert at breaking down footballers' uh. tweets. I thought you were going to ask me to dissect him, and I think I have seen him as well, but <laughs> I can't. I can't recall a match. I remember Chicago Fire and a young goalkeeper thrown in. That's the best I can do for you. You're an MLS expert, but we'll brush past that and, and come to your real skill, which is analysing tweets that footballers put out. Uh, here he is at Gabriel Slanina Gaga 
all caps is his uh, Twitter handle. Lady. Honor- <laughs> honoured to join such a <laughs> I did that one on Monday uh, honoured to join such a massive club with so much history it's a privilege to wear the badge of the best side in London thank you to all the fans for the warm welcome can't wait to get started blue heart emoji at Chelsea FC and a couple of pictures of him smiling and signing his contract and holding up a shirt it's, it's textbook stuff Sam isn't it yeah no real problem with that Matt considering his age um the warm reception from the supporters made me the terminology there considering I presume this has been over Twitter 42.8 thousand likes tells its own story. Yeah, there, there you go. So, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that could have been saved for when he's actually met the fans in person. But, um, yeah, not, not too much problem with that. I think age has got to be put into account. Nine out of ten. All right, good. <laughs> uh, only just turned 18 uh, has Slanina. We'll see him from January onwards, perhaps. Uh, Mark Cucurella, Simon, are we going to see him in a Chelsea shirt? David Ornstein reporting this morning. Chelsea have offered 50 million plus for Mark Cucurella. Not yet done as Brighton seek a higher fee and replacement. Colwell top target. Cucurella, personal terms are green. CFC also in talks with Barcelona for Frankie de Jong and hope to strike a deal. More than 50 million for Mark Cucurella? I mean, he's a decent player, but come on, Brighton. This has got to get done at 50 max, hasn't it? Yeah, but I think Brighton are, are sensing an opportunity here. Um, they can see Chelsea are willing to pay over the odds for players um, to get deals done. And so why not sort of think capitalise on the perhaps an element of desperation, maybe a bit strong, but there's clearly a, a upping of the ante this week. There's a lot of angst about just two signings coming in. I'm sure Tuchel's been a bit frustrated. He He's made it pretty clear for a long time what he wants and strengthening at the back was was key for him. Um, but yeah, uh, in answer to your question, yes, I think I th- <laughs> you, you feel a bit nervous saying about deals getting done as far as Chelsea said. I think this will get done because even what I was told a few days ago uh, for very good source that it was really, really close. Brighton expect him to end up at Chelsea. Um, so I just think it's haggling over the terms. Um, personal terms have been agreed, as, as David Onstein has reported. And and I think if this deal gets done, it's a very good buy because, he, he yes, it's Brighton and Mate are tripling their, more than tripling the, the, the money they paid for him a year ago. But um, the way he just adapted to the Premier League, it's a someone that won't take long to settle and he, he'll improve that back line, you know, quite needed as for De Jong uh, yeah that the fact Chelsea have now made a bid doesn't surprise me either because uh, a few days at the weekend I've been told Tuchel's pushing for him it essentially has become a choice between him staying at Barcelona because of the money he's owed and 17 under- million pounds understandably so <laughs> because why would you walk away from you know you'd be mad or Chelsea um, that that despite the Manchester United's lengthy pursuit, he's not that keen to go there. Um, he wants Champions League football. And so I've heard, David Ornstein's heard, other people have heard, it really does sound like a a Chelsea or Barcelona sort of situation. But, you know, it's the transfer window, so anything's possible. But the fact that Chelsea are making a bid, again, speaks volumes that they, they think that... Uh, a deal is possible. Just on Cucurella, I think a lot of supporters would feel that that's not uh, one of the most important positions to strengthen. But would that give the opportunity, Simon, for Alonso to to move on? Yeah. Uh, Emerson potentially as well, because I think those two being the backups to Chilwell for another season would leave everyone feeling a little, little bit despondent. Of course, everyone would be incredibly excited about Chilwell being back fit, but to have another player of equal quality to come in, I think would would be a huge positive. Yes, right wing back needs improved as well, but I think that would be a great sign and then give the flexibility for him to maybe play in, in the back three on the left-hand side as well. That's right, yeah. It's, it's not just a straight sort of, oh, he'll be left wing back or left back. He can also be the, the left centre back. And yes, Alonso is the Barcelona. <laughs> this window just seems to be all about Barcelona, doesn't it? Chelsea, Barcelona. But yeah, I think that that is stepping up. Emerson, I mean, I was, I mean, it's it's now extremely dated, um, a piece I wrote at the end of the season. But he wasn't initially the preferred one of the two 
Um, so I was told that, that Tuchel wanted to keep. But inevitably, if you're Emerson, you're going to think, well, why, why, why stick around? And Lazio are, are now sort of seemingly closing on a deal for Emerson. So it, it does feel like, I mean, I, I think I would have said at a few points over the summer, the squad needed refreshing. There needed to be this kind of change, not just incomings, but getting rid of some of the the players that have been around for a while. And Alonso, I know he's come in for a lot of stick with the fans. I think overall, I, th- I would still argue he's been a good buy for Chelsea, but it is time to move on and for his benefit as well as Chelsea's. What about Wesley Fofana then, Simon? Uh, in yours and Liam's piece, you mentioned the potential of maybe a Broya or Colwell being used as bait. We know Brendan Rodgers is a big Colwell fan. Uh, you've got to pay a lesser tax, haven't you, on, on mm. players that you want to get out of the King Power. They, they don't sell players on the cheap and, and maybe this will hinge as much on James Madison as anything else. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to believe that they'll sell both of their sort of prize assets so it almost was like Chelsea v Newcastle for who who's going to get their their target. Um, Fafana has been on Chelsea's wish list, you know, for quite a while actually. So it, yes, I mean he he's not been the first choice this summer, but he he has been on their radar for a while, and they clearly think a deal with him is possible. That he's he's keen to come, and why wouldn't you be? I mean, Leicester are suddenly becoming a bit of a fading force aren't they uh, you know by by the lofty standards they reached clearly financially not in the greatest shape because they haven't bought anyone yet and and to buy anyone they're going to have to sell so they're, they're asking for 80 million pounds we've been down this road before Brendan Rodgers saying he's definitely not for sale well he said the same about Ben Chilwell and what happened there yeah it, it's it's I'm not hearing it's as close as Cucurella but I, w- I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, Leicester getting back in their box as the second biggest team in the East Midlands. I think we can all get behind <laughs> that. Um, what about outgoings? Kepper, we mentioned on Monday to Napoli. Chelsea going to have to pay most, if not all, of his wages for that one. But Timo Werner seems to have picked up a bit of uh, traction in the last few days. Maybe heading back to RB Leipzig? Yeah, yeah. Conversations have been going on. I mean, th- this isn't a surprise. I'm, 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 I'm a bit bit surprised that it's almost oh Timo Werner you know that was a that's that's been a given um that is something that hasn't dated from my end of season <laughs> piece that he would be one of the ones that, that would like to leave and would anyone be upset if he goes thanks for trying would be my would be my sort of parting shot and any look he he played a part in the in the Champions League win and you know that shouldn't be forgotten either in fairness but um he's run alone which which left the space for Havertz to go and score is arguably his best contribution. But understandably for Timo, it's not worked out. He he looks like a a guy that doesn't want to be there anymore. And he was offered as part of Chelsea's um, pursuit of Delit with Juventus. Juventus, I think, is still in the mix for that. But RB Leipzig is un- understandable that those conversations would take place, especially as Chelsea are interested in Another player that I struggle to pronounce um, correctly, probably Gvardiol. I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it. I'm not sure either, so I just leave you to to drown in that one (laughs) by yourself. (laughs) Um, So obviously it's going to be conversation and it's his former club. But he is going to have to, just like Lukaku, he's going to have to accept the pay cut to get what he wants. Um, He's on about 270 grand a week. Uh, There's not many clubs in Europe that are going to pay him that. Not many clubs we've seen him play are going to want to pay in that. Um, and, and, uh, but good luck to him because he, he, he obviously wants to play regularly ahead of the World Cup and, and be in, in, in great shape for that. So I don't blame him one iota for wanting to go because clearly he's not what Tuchel wants going forward. Uh, it's rapidly evolving, this transfer situation. Best place to keep up with it is The Athletic. If you're not currently a subscriber, head to theathletic.com slash Chelsea pod. You can sign up for just a pound a month for your first six months. OK, the season gets underway this weekend. We'll tell you what to expect from Chelsea next. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. How are you feeling about the new season then, listener? All kicks off for the Blue Boys at Goodison Park on Saturday tea time as they take on Everton. We'll look at that game shortly. Uh, but more generally, Sam, what, what constitutes a successful season this time around for Chelsea? Is it is it Champions League or bust? Can they challenge Manchester City and Liverpool or are they just trying to you know do well in the Cups and, and finish in the top four? I think, yeah, Champions League and a, and a Cup would be a really successful season. Uh, as we sit here today, but it's just, we're going into the unknown, I think, the next few weeks. Um, I'd be more confident probably about Chelsea doing some really encouraging business over the next few weeks to to put them in a position to not get closer to Liverpool Manchester City, but to edge them in front of the North London too. Um, and I think that's that's what the fans will be really optimistic about right now. But I'm just scribbling down now as we as we speak. There's probably five positions where they could do with strengthening, and then they're not going to get five players. I would I would imagine Simon. There's going to be somewhere where they're going to be short. Scribble down left wing back, right wing back, centre half, central midfield, and 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 a forward player probably to to come in. And I've softened kind of on my stance that they need a goal scorer. They need an old fashioned number nine. I think there's more ways to skin a cat now. And I think if you could get another forward player to play across that line and you could mix up having Havert, Sterling or another down the middle, that could be that could be a good route for Chelsea, similarly to how Manchester City and Liverpool have done it the last few years. But yeah, I mean, I, I think now Chelsea fans would snap your hand off for, for third position and uh, and another visit to a, to a cup final. Absolutely. Uh, last season was a, a big test of Thomas Tuchel, Simon, but, but I feel like this season, maybe even more so because the sanctions made his life very difficult, but also to an extent gave him a bit of a free pass because he was working with one arm tied behind his back. He'll say, well, it's been a difficult transfer window for us because we've been on the back foot with it. But there's a bit of expectation on on him, isn't there? You know, the, these signings, we, we hear are, are his signings. He's in, what, his second full season now, so his feet are under the table. He could do with winning a cup final perhaps I would suggest, and, and top four, a necessity for Chelsea. So a little bit of pressure on Tuchel? Yeah, I think he'll welcome it. Uh, I think he puts pressure on himself. You, you could tell, when he, again, when he spoke to him in on pre-season tour, he, he's so agitated to be going toe-to-toe with Liverpool Man City. And I think there was also, at the time, a, a little bit of uh, an indication of his concern about Tottenham and Arsenal as well. I mean, he even said, one of the quotes was, this is the best Tottenham side there's, they've ever had. Now, I'm sure there's some Tottenham fans, you know, of, of not from just Premier League era that may t- dispute that, but you understand where he's coming from. And, and he'll also be thinking of Antonio Conte as well, um, being a really top-class manager. But at the same time, I still think there's an element of a get-out clause, which is... Liverpool, Man City are absolutely brilliant. <laughs> you know, that I, I think all Chelsea fans have to be realistic. I think I think I said this a few weeks ago. It is very unlikely that there's going to be a title challenge, in my opinion. And and even the manner of this window, it's so sort of even if they end up sort of signing the the up to six players Tuka wants, they're gonna to have to all start blending together after the season started. And and that's that is inevitably going to take time to build understandings, etc. You you're starting to see a few benefits of Sterling, for example, of of having a couple of games with his with Chelsea and he's already starting to blend in. 
Um, so it's just a shame that these deals haven't been done a bit earlier. But uh, but at the same time, I also said after that 4-0 drubbing, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Let's wait to see what happens in this window. There's plenty of time for this to suddenly turn and, and it look all positive. And I think Chelsea fans are in a little bit more optimistic seeing Chelsea make these kind of ambitious moves in the market. So I, I think this is going to be an exciting season. I just hope Tuchel sorts out the attack. That That's, for me, is the biggest question mark over him. As I said in my um, in my season preview, he's made Chelsea hard to play against, but not difficult to stop. And I, and I think that's the, that's the question for me. Can you make Chelsea an, an attacking threat as well as a very solid defensive unit? Although... They weren't that solid defensively for the last six months of last season. Uh, the other big disruptor, Sam, is going to be the World Cup, of course, coming halfway through the season. Just taking a look through the Chelsea squad, I can only really see Jorginho in terms of key players who's not going to be going there. You think City are going to be able to rest Erling Haaland, Liverpool, Mo Salah. That's going to go one of two ways, isn't it? If Chelsea have a lot of players going deep into that competition, it might mean that the post-World Cup period is, is a little bit difficult. But then most clubs in the Premier League are going to be juggling that as well. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, and you've got the opportunity for the players to come back with a spring in their step as well. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be the same for everyone. It's going to be a disrupted season. It's going to be different from anything we've encountered before, but I don't think that will have too much of a bearing on the, uh, on the season. I suppose, you know, it's a, a juggling act for the, for the management and the, the coaching staff to keep the people that are on the way up to speed and, and make sure they're ready potentially to go in if there any players are absent when they return. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to have a huge bearing. I'm sure Thomas Tuchel and his staff will have planned meticulously for when that comes around. Uh, right, as last season, we're going to get everyone in the Straight Out of Cobham family to make some predictions which we'll revisit at the end of the campaign. The answers are going to be passed on to producer Lucy. I'm going to make her give us um, some predictions too. We're going to keep our powder dry on what we think is going to happen for now. But listen, just in case you want to get involved... These are the categories. Simon and Sam are hearing these live. Uh, we want top scorer for the men's team, top scorer for the women's team, Chelsea's top scorer at the World Cup, most appearances for the men's first team, where are Chelsea going to finish in the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League and the Premier League and the WSL and the Women's Champions League. Which manager will finish higher? Thomas Tuchel, Antonio Conte, Jose Mourinho or Carlo Ancelotti? A wild Chelsea prediction. And the final category is going to be who will score more goals, Romelu Lukaku or Raheem Sterling? So get thinking on those uh, and we will embarrass ourselves come May with what we predict. Uh, as mentioned, Chelsea hoping to start the season sweetly by chewing on the toffees. We'll preview the Everton game next. This season, following your team on The Athletic is better than ever. Our brand new match blogs give you real-time updates so you'll get all the stats you need to know as they happen, from XG to XA, from progressive carries to PPDA and so much more. You'll now get the same level of unrivaled insight from The Athletic during the 90 minutes as before and after kickoff. The Athletic's match blogs are the essential companion for everything you need to follow the game. See for yourself on The Athletic app and at theathletic.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So Chelsea in the tea time Saturday slot here in the UK as they begin their Premier League campaign 22-23. Everton away and a reunion with Lampard, Cole, Edwards et al. Joining us now to talk toffees is the Athletics Everton expert Greg O'Keefe. Uh, Greg, pre-season wise, bit of a mixed bag, fair to say. There was that hammering against Minnesota United, but then finished with a couple of wins against Blackpool and, and Dynamo Kiev. Are, are things relatively optimistic after pulling off the great escape last season? I think optimistic might be slightly overstating it, um, sort of especially when you consider that mixed bag, as you rightly summarise, and then the lack of 
Well, the relative lack of big transfers, uh, it picked up pace last week with Dwight McNeil arriving from Burnley. I think generally, yeah, there's there's a sense of optimism because the feeling or the hope is that it can't be as bad as last season. I was at Goodison on last Friday and it was it was heartening to see them play far better, albeit against a tired Dynamo Kiev who'd just knocked Fenerbahce out of the Champions League qualifiers a couple of days previously. But Everton looked like a bit more like the team that had fought for for survival and for, for their manager last season. So, you know, you could imagine, half imagine them giving Chelsea a game on Saturday. You certainly couldn't have imagined that prospect after Minnesota United, of course. That was a, a low point and it actually made, even prompted Frank Lampard to break with the convention of ignoring pre-season results to give quite a stark assessment, really, after that. I think he was genuinely uh, alarmed by that performance. But, yes, generally speaking, I think they're in a decent frame of mind. So, since since Minnesota, those signings have, have come in, or a couple of them at least, Vinagra, Tarkovsky, McNeil, the, the big names to join, are they are they Lampard signings? Are they club signings? They're a bit of both? Yeah, well, I, I think they're a bit of both. But um, I think if you look at them, the so far, I feel probably more driven by Kevin Thelwell, the director of football, certainly, Ruben Van Agre, and his, being a former Wolves Portuguese player, um, has got all the fingerprints of, of Thalwell's involvement uh, in the Midlands. Of course, he was a senior role in recruitment at Molyneux uh, before leaving to go to MLS, and then Everton hired him last season. Actually, Rafa Benitez, you know, obviously the predecessor of, of Frank was interested in Dwight McNeil, so he's a long-term target. And uh, then, yeah, I think James Tarkovsky was a bit of a no-brainer, but I know Frank Lampard was absolutely on board with that, as he was the other two. Thankfully, him and Kevin Thelwell worked together closely. You might see that the rest of Everton's signings, if they're able to get them over the line, are ones where Frank's had a more active role in identifying players, because I know they're still trying to push for Armando Brozier, and it looks unlikely they'd try and get, that anyone will get Conor Gallagher now, but obviously some of the more straightforward Chelsea picks that he might have been able to get were, you know, you could identify more closely with Frank, yeah. Greg, given Everton's uh, recent record at home against Chelsea, do you think with everything that's gone on this summer, a bit of negativity, this is actually a really good game for them? Something, you know, better than going away to Brighton or Southampton or something where <laughs> they're on a hide into nothing? Yeah, they have had a tendency to kind of coalesce and, and just get results against Chelsea, haven't they? Even when the, the form book suggested they've got no right to, especially at Goodison, I think. Clearly, it doesn't happen the other way around, or very rarely anyway, uh, at Stamford Bridge. So maybe it usually it doesn't usually come in the in the first game of the season, does it? Usually they need a little bit of momentum either way, whether it's downward for it to come to a point where they absolutely have to get a result. And I think when that's happened recently, it's, it's been maybe a case of Goodison dragging the players up to a level and maybe just overpowering or, or just possibly just wanting it a little bit more than Chelsea. So it's going to be interesting to see. I know Everton fans were a major part of basically keeping the club in the division last season. And then they're still planning to meet the coach early on Saturday and do all those little extra things that got the atmosphere so, so good in the run-in. So whether they can replicate that from you know a standing start, we, we shall see. But I take your point. Certainly, it could be worse. You know, I think going away, when Everton struggled away in general, would be almost more of a challenge, despite how strong Chelsea were and are going to be with Sterling and Koulibaly in the ranks. Yeah, you mentioned um, before we came on air that Dominic Calvert-Lewin might not be able to play in this game. Hopefully that'll work in Chelsea's favour from our perspective. I just wanted to ask you about Frank Lampard before we let you go though, Greg. You mentioned the bond with the team and the supporters. Lampard played a big part in, in fostering that, didn't he? Do you think he'll be able to continue that this season? And do you think that kind of made up for any tactical shortcomings that he might have had? Because it wasn't as if he came in and transformed things results-wise immediately. Yeah, it's really interesting actually, Matt, because I sense it sometimes sends a, almost a, a negativity in some sectors of the national or, or the external, certainly, you know, we're pretty plucked in on Everton football world about Lampard, uh, almost a sneeriness. And for example, I think he's the bookies' uh, favourite four to one to be the first manager to go this season. And I think that is a, that really misunderstands how popular he is at Everton. The fans love him. You know, he got everything right, not results granted. And yeah, it, it, it was a struggle at first. 
but there was a lot of mitigation given to him over that. Everything he said and the way he's conducted himself uh, in a really, really difficult challenge at Everton for so many different reasons has just got the fans on board. And I can't see, and this is quite a big statement, I can see very little that would cause the fans to change, certainly this season, to turn their back on Frank Lampard. Now, you can't speak for Everton's owner, Fahad Mashiri, who's a lot more mercurial and has got a track record of hiring and firing managers at an unseemly rate. But he's really popular. You know, the image of him standing in in, in the uh, in the main stand, dancing with the fans after in front of the director's box after Everton sealed their Premier League fate with a 3-2 win in the penultimate game last season. The human touch he brings to fan events and just the way he speaks about the club in general. Hugely, hugely popular figure. And um, probably if you're asking Everton supporters to give you positives ahead of this season, Lampard's always front and centre. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, it does baffle me sometimes, this negativity around him in some quarters. And uh, he remains something that that is uh, one of the positives of Everton uh, in a difficult time. You know, we've already had takeover rumours earlier this summer. and You guys will know what that's like. We've got an owner who's been also heavily sanctioned, or rather key sponsors who've been heavily sanctioned because of the uh, invasion of Ukraine. So it's been a tough time financially and a lot of uncertainty, but Frank Lampard's been a huge positive. Uh, Finally, Greg, Sam mentioned Chelsea's rubbish record at Goodison Park in recent years. No wins in the last five, lost the last four of those, failed to score in any of the the last five. Does that all point to an Everton win for you on Saturday? Well, you're talking to an Evertonian here, so that, <laughs> you know, I'm afraid that sort of optimism is a bit out of reach. Uh, it kind of suggests that it's time for it to change. <laughs> um, but no, like I say, it's, I'm normally more, I'll have a bit of a better feeling with this fixture if I can get my mangled words out. When this game comes on the back of a little bit of momentum, whether it's good or bad, whether there's a bit of context, I just worry from that, you know, from that first game of the season, if, Goodison will be at the level. And actually, I have a little bit of concern that Everton as a squad are undercooked in terms of their preparations. They've only had, they played Arsenal in Baltimore, Minnesota, as you say, which was appalling. Then they came back and played Blackpool and then Dinamo Kiev. And there's been no more pre-season games. Don't know how many Chelsea have had. But four strikes me as a little short. I think they were unable to arrange a game this week. So maybe they're fresh, but also, possibly a little bit undercooked. I have a bit of concern. So, um, yeah, tough start to the season for Everton, but uh, I'm not sure it'll be quite as straightforward as an easy uh, inverted commas win for them, despite what the record suggests. The Goodison. Hmm, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, happy new season, Greg. Many thanks for joining us. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks. It's a pleasure. Good luck. Uh, Simon, the Chelsea team for Saturday's game, you're expecting it to be to be similar to the one that, that started the first game against Udinese, but, but maybe with Chilwell for Alonso. So that was Mendy, Azpilicueta, Thiago Silva, Koulibaly, James and Alonso as the wing-backs, Kante, Jorginho, Mount Havertz, Sterling. Does that, that sound about full strength? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a bit of a question mark about Chilwell, I think. I thought that was quite significant that he didn't start the first game. It feels a little bit of deja vu in terms of last season, where of course Alonso started the season. It took took Chilwell a bit of time to get over what happened to him at the Euros, etc. And I don't think anyone should should forget he suffered a really serious injury. And it feels like Tuchel's trying to just phase him back in slowly. So if it's not Alonso, because perhaps he, he's sorting out his move to Barcelona, then. Um, yeah, maybe it, maybe even Emerson comes in if he hasn't gone to Lazio. It wouldn't surprise me if Chilwell doesn't start because it, it does feel if Tuchel thought he was ready for Everton, he would have played in the first game against Udinese, not the second. He'd be banging down Tuchel's door, insisting that he is ready, though, won't he, Sam? If he's seeing Mark Cucurella come in to potentially play in his position, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, he'll be really aware that he's got a manage the, the the body and the injury if um you know he's a little bit short in that in that department and he'll be confident I'm sure even if Cucurella comes in given how good he was the start of last season and I don't think it's as um we, we touched on earlier I don't think it's a given that Cucurella will come in and play left wing back there's been you know great examples Ashley Cole and Wayne Bridge I think in tandem played down the left hand side before and 
that's um, something that Chelsea could definitely do. Ben Chilwell, I'm, I'm sure, could fill in at left-sided centre-half at, at times if Cucurella's bombing on and and vice versa. But yeah, I think he, he'll welcome the, the competition. I don't think he'll have any concerns about that. He's top top-level player at Chelsea. There's going to be good players coming in in all departments, I'm sure. Now Thomas Tuchel has been given the opportunity to mix up the squad. So yeah, he'll, he'll want to be playing, but he'll be he'll be realistic enough to know he'll be in in the next few games. Uh, Simon, Greg uh, gave us cause for optimism by saying that Everton usually need a run-up to to play Chelsea. If they go into the game in good form, they usually win, but they haven't had that and they haven't had a great pre-season. Does that mean that you're feeling more optimistic than normal going to Goodison? The shake no, of the head would suggest I, not. I'm going, I'm going. And I'm sorry, Greg. Uh, I respect Greg greatly, <laughs> but I I have been to many Chelsea games at Goodison where Everton have been in rubbish form and Chelsea have turned <laughs> up and helped them out. So they don't need a run-up. They just need Chelsea to do their usual. Oh, no, Everton are playing really physical football against us. We don't know what to do. Um, yes, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, so I've probably insulted the entire squad by saying it like that. But um, I'm not as pessimistic as I was What last was it April, early May when they played? I just thought it was nailed on three points and I said it on this show. Opening day of the season is always very sort of strange. Sort of, You never know what you're going to get because obviously the, the teams have, it's their first game. There's, not, there's, there's very little to, to base it off. But Chelsea's record is so bad at Goodison. It's so, so bad. I'm I'm hoping they're saving a, a rare win. I was there for their last away away win at Goodison when they won the title in 2017. It was a great 3-0 away win. So let's be positive. <laughs> this is the first away win since 2017. There you go. Sam, did you have any preference of being home or away on opening day? Or was it all about the oppo rather than the venue? Yeah, probably. No, I'd, I'd like to be at home. Obviously against a team that's just come up or, well, Possibly not, but against a team that's um, predicted to struggle, definitely rather be at be at home, yeah. And it's always really exciting. And but as Simon says, it's less so in the Premier League. But I think lower down the divisions, there's such an unknown. If there's been a l- large churn of players, there's always optimism that this is going to be the year you're going to get promoted or be in the playoffs. So it always throws up freak results. Absolutely. Every every season, you could think you've got one of the best-looking squads, best-looking 11s in the division. You can get turned over 3-0 at home by by someone. So, yeah, I, it's got to change at some point. That's how I'm feeling going, looking ahead to this weekend. It's got to change. This is not a good Everton side who have already got problems, big problems in attack, it would seem. Uh, I know they've had a couple of good results recently, but, um, you know, you look where they're weak especially from the defending balls in the box. I know Chelsea aren't ridiculously prolific from corner kicks and free kicks, but that's definitely an Achilles heel. So, cliche, first goal at Goodison. Keep the ball, move them around. And I think the Chelsea fans will be, they'll be excited about Sterling and Koulibaly, but I don't think there'll be that that real, yeah, real excitement that you'd get if there was kind of a marquee one or two signings. That hopefully will come, but... Yeah, there should be enough in the side. All right, let's say we're cautiously optimistic then. Uh, It's half past five on Saturday, UK time for Everton versus Chelsea. Of course, we will react to it on Monday's pod. Uh, We're nearly done for today, but Simon and Sam insisted we do a quiz. A tweet I had this morning from Kevin Nordbo simply saying, remember quiz, exclamation mark. Um, And so that's what we're going to do. Uh, Chelsea versus Everton. Hopefully no repeated questions from last season. Three apiece. Here we go. Simon, you're up first. Remember, Lucy got three out of six, she's saying. So that's the kind of benchmark that we're looking at today. Uh, Your first question, Simon. The last time the teams met in August was that bonkers 6-3 Chelsea win at Goodison Park in 2014. Cesar Azpilicueta is the only Chelsea player from that day still at the club at time of recording. Uh, But who is the only Everton player to have featured in that game in 2014 that is still with the Toffees now. Same as Coleman? Absolutely correct. Straight off the bat. Lovely start to the quiz for Johnson. 1-0. <laughs> Just writing that in my notepad. 
Better than last week. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, <laughs> a bit of confidence straight out the gate. Can't knock it. Sam, can you respond? Chelsea and Everton met four times in the 2010-2011 season. What did three of those games have in common? How many times? Four times in 2010-11. What did three of those games have in common? Uh, draws. Going to need to be a bit more specific than that, but there's a clue for you. Uh, goalless draws. I'm afraid not. Um, Simon, it's a bit of a tap-in, really, if I can pass it to you. <laughs> so it was a draw of some description, basically. Uh, mm. One all draw. Oh, he's done it. I mean, it's... it's uh, I think really. you, shouldn't have, yeah. you shouldn't have given that to Simon there. Okay, I did you think about You just got to say that. unlucky Sam. Okay, unlucky yeah, I, Sam. I won't, I won't take that. Wow, that's so gracious and also speaks to your confidence that you're going to win anyway. Not at all. Uh, he's got 100% record <laughs> against me, I think, Simon. I don't think he's got anything to be concerned about. Right, this is a test, as Graham Taylor once said. This is oh, a right. test. Simon, question yeah. two. Which former Republic of Ireland international defender played the full 90 for Chelsea as they won 1-0 at Goodison in their first ever visit there in the Premier League in 1992? Former Republic of Ireland, Ireland. international defender. He was in the Chelsea back line that day, back in 92. I'll try. I'm not sure if this is right, but Mal Donaghy? Of course it's Mal Donaghy. <laughs> if you always play the Donaghy or Barnard card, you've got <laughs> half a chance <laughs> in this quiz. I don't know if I'd have gone for that because I wasn't sure if he was Irish or Welsh, but that was the name I had. So. <laughs> Uh, Sam, you need to get off the mark here, really. Who did former Toffee Ross Barkley score a stoppage time winner against on his last Chelsea appearance? Uh, Lucy, just shake your head uh, yes or no if you got this one right. Easy. Okay, wow. So the... Um, so the Matthew Harding, wasn't it? Yes. It was uh, he scuffed it, I think, or it was like two or three people at the far post. Yeah, I think you're getting buried over. in the wrong detail here rather than a description of the goal. You just I have no idea who it was against, like, literally, no idea. <laughs> I'll go Watford. Oh, he's got it. Off oh. the mark. Last day of last season. Well done. Keeps you alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. If you get this, though, Simon, you have won. Uh, and I reckon this is a bit of a tapping, actually. Who was the last Chelsea player to score at Goodison Park? I know you were there that day because I saw you and we had a chat. <laughs> oh, it was a memorable one, was it? <laughs> uh, are they lost? Oh. So they lost 1-0. One 1-0. Nil. One nil. I think I've got it. Is it Kovacic? Oh, yeah. oh, it was Kovacic. Well done. I believe it was his first Premier League goal that shortly after yeah, he scored a, against Valencia. Valencia, yeah, 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 yeah. It was his... Um, suddenly became prolific. Mm. Um, well, you're prolific because you've won, but we're going to ask Sam his last question anyway. Is that two wins in a row for you now, Simon? Or was it a draw last No, week, it was a... I, yeah. I was shambolic last year. Kovacic, yes. Yeah. Remember. Undefeated. Yeah, back well, there you go. Good to get back on the Kovacic horse, though, if yeah, you yeah, yeah. some questions about him correctly. Um, Sam, here's your final one. Dennis Wise scored for Chelsea in a 2-2 draw against Everton at Stamford Bridge in 1992. Which Italian side, in the news this week, after signing another former Chelsea midfielder, is Wise currently chief executive of? You either know this or you don't, basically. You're not going to be able to guess it. He's chief exec of an Italian club. He's chief exec of an Italian club that used to be owned by Michael Essien's wife. What on earth is this? Um, <laughs> Lecce. Good guess. I like that. You just plucked Lecce from nowhere. It's not right, though. Simon, can you, uh, can you tap it in? It is Como. Como. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's got six out of six there, Simon. Yeah, extraordinary stuff. He got my questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, they signed Cesc Fabregas this week and, and Dennis Wise... It's got to be an athletic long read in the work about that, hasn't there, Simon? He, he knows the owners or something, some Indonesian businessman who bought the club and they put him in as chief exec. It's a, an interesting one. Yeah, a lovely, lovely place to work. 
I think Amazing. that may have may have been a factory incest <laughs> decision. <laughs> oh, oh, well, where can I go after being in Monaco? Oh, oh, I know. Oh, let, let, let's go somewhere else with Barcelona, <laughs> London, Monaco, Como. He's doing it right, isn't he? It's a, it's a bit like uh, where were you, Sam? Ipswich, Swindon, <laughs> Outer Hebrides, Northampton, <laughs> Just- Perth. <laughs> Scotland, uh, not Australia. Yeah, different places for different needs, I suppose. Uh, Simon, before we go, tell us what you're working on, please, for athletic subscribers to enjoy. Okay, well, enjoy is, uh, we'll see. But um, <laughs> I've written a um, a big read on Kaladu Kulabali. Now, he's talking, giving his first sit-down interview on the day we're recording. Um but uh, this this was already in motion anyway, and and essentially I'm trying to tell Chelsea fans another side to him. Yes, we all know the footballer, the the leader at the back, great tackles, etc. But there's another side to his character. It's, it's more of a feel good factor, you know. He's not the only player that does good work off the pitch, but um, yeah, I, I managed to speak to people in in Naples. Also, spoke to uh, his lawyer, who was. Um, he was the guy that was responsible for signing uh, Zola and Di Matteo um, when those deals were done all those years ago. He's got um, he's got Zola shirts. So if you older Chelsea fans remember the shirt that uh, Hullet and Zola are posing with when when he was unveiled, he's got that shirt in his office. Um, Call sponsor with the white <laughs> kind of thingy down the middle. I which, seem to remember. Which was a, an anecdote that didn't make the piece, but, you know, it's, it's kind of <laughs> cool that... Um, but he, he basically said that Zola and Koulibaly are the same in terms of their, their personality. He said they're, they're, they're the best players and the best men I've ever worked with. And actually, again, I don't think I, I included this bit, but it's worth adding. If you saw the Koulibaly-John Terry phone call, that he posted yeah. on Twitter. So that actually started with Koulibaly talking to Gianfranco and saying, oh, I'm a bit nervous about the number 26 and John's shirt and what should I do? And Gianfranco apparently was saying, don't worry, John's a top guy, just give him a call, he'll be fine with it. And and that's that phone call that obviously we've all seen. Oh, there you go, listener. That's why this is the perfect companion to your athletic subscription because you get the full picture. Um, there's loads of other good stuff up on the athletic now, uh, not necessarily Chelsea related. You'll want to read Matt Slater on Richard Masters' recent comments on 30 years of the Premier League and the issues facing it this season. There's also a big investigation on what the bejesus Barcelona are up to, which is a a staggering read. Uh, you really got to check that one out. Athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up. If you aren't currently a subscriber, it will only cost you a pound a month for your first six months. Uh, Sam, where in the wide world of football will you be this weekend? I'm at Fulham on Saturday. So, um, yeah, first look at the near neighbours and um, one of the teams at Chelsea, hopefully jostling at the top of the table alongside. Should be a good game. Happy new season, everybody. Many thanks for joining us today. Thanks to Greg uh, for filling us in on Everton earlier, to Sam, to Simon, to producer Lucy, and mainly to you for listening. We'll catch up with you again on Monday. Bye for now. The Athletic.